You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hey guys, today we're on Luke chapter 5. Uh, before we jump into this chapter, I just want to underscore two features of Luke's gospel that are really um, emphasized, and that is number one, Luke continually, continuously shows us throughout this gospel Jesus as the perfect man. And when we say perfect, we we don't mean just sinless. We mean perfect in his fullness of his humanity, the, the richness of his humanity, the tenderness and compassion of his human virtues. Jesus is the most human of all human beings, okay? And and yet, that hum, those human virtues are enriched and filled with and strengthened by divine attributes so that um, Jesus is uh, is the God-man, is featured as the, you know, the fullness of God and in, in, uh, humanity as the source of a, a, a new standard of morality, a new standard of human living, which is the factor of his salvation, which is the divine attributes filling and mingling with and overflowing from the human virtues. That's the kind of salvation that Jesus brings. It's based on who he is, and Luke is showing us this, and that humanity and human living will be reproducing us through that person who is the source of his salvation. And we see that in chapter one and two with all those prayers and prophecies and at the beginning. Uh, Luke, you know, records all of those things that they said. And the heart of that is that understanding of who Jesus is as God and man. And that forms the factor of Jesus' salvation. So in chapter two, we've got somebody waiting for uh, in the temple and they say, that my eye has now seen your salvation. That's 2.30. My eye has seen your salvation. Of course, they're looking at Jesus in the flesh, and they equate that person with God's salvation. Salvation is the person of Jesus as the mingling of God and man, divine attributes, enriching human virtues, reproducing that in us. That's awesome. And also, the second thing Luke shows us strikingly is Jesus's jubilee ministry. If you had to sum up one Jesus's ministry in one word, Luke gives it to you. It's jubilee. That's chapter 4, 18 and 19. The acceptable year of the of the Lord is the year when God is gracious to us to forgive our sins, release us from our bondage, and return us to our divine inheritance and our divine family. Okay? So those two features fill and um, characterize all of Luke's presentation about Jesus's life and ministry. So in chapter five, we've got four stories that again embody this. And I'm not going to go into detail on every one. I just mainly want to highlight a few things that are unique to Luke's account of these stories because all four of these stories appear in Matthew and Mark. So we've gone over them some already. But they're attracting the occupied. There's the call of Peter, cleansing the leper healing the paralytic who got let down through that roof, and the calling of Levi, a despised tax collector. Let's just go through these one at a time, four points uh, and and kind of four takeaways. Luke's account of Peter's call is more extensive than Matthew's and Mark's. And 
Luke, Luke shows us that Peter was called through a miracle in fishing. It's really awesome. And, you know, they're fishing all night and Jesus gives the word to let down the net. And there's a miraculous catch of fish that, I mean, it's crazy when you read this story, if you think about it, the nets began to tear and their boats began to sink. That must've been a lot of fish (laughs) for the nets to tear and the boat to sink. And Peter, as a professional fisherman, realizes the uh, unusual nature of this fishing experience, this catch. And he has a realization of being in the presence of God himself, the holy God. And just like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6, when he realizes the divine presence, he's not celebrating and happy and, and saying, man, I must be really privileged because look, I'm, I'm right here. He falls down on his knees and confesses his sinfulness. And Jesus does this in our life when he calls us. He doesn't just call us by teaching us something cool or showing us something true. He calls us by a miraculous manifestation of divine presence in our life. And we recognize we're in the presence of God embodied in Jesus. And we confess our sinfulness. We recognize, Lord, I am utterly, utterly different from you. I'm utterly unworthy. I'm defiled. I'm sinful. And we don't say, great, you know, sign me up, Lord. We say, depart from me, God. Get away from me. Because we just recognize our sinfulness. But the beauty of the compassion of God here is Jesus calls us and says, don't fear. From now on, you're going to be useful to me. You're going to catch men alive. And Peter leaves all and follows Jesus. So Luke really shows us this awesome story that none of the other gospel writers do of our call is sourced in a manifestation of God's holiness in Jesus through a miraculous intervention in our life that evokes confession and then following and then service. Okay, story two is the cleansing of the leper. Again, it manifests uh, the God-man dynamic here. The power to heal the leper is obviously from God. The compassion to heal the leper is obviously a human virtue. But what I want to focus on is verse 16, because only Luke tells us this. Now, all the other gospels tell us that this guy is told, don't tell anything to anybody, and he, he doesn't obey that. And everybody finds out the message spread abroad. Huge crowds become to, become, uh, come, to, come to see Jesus, to hear him, to be healed. And six, verse 16 says, But Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So this is an awesome feature about Jesus' ministry. No matter how busy he was, no matter how much he realized he was here to serve people and to bring the Jubilee to all sorts of people, he prioritized prayer often in his schedule. He withdrew from the crowds, withdrew from the busyness of ministry, and basked in God's presence. And that prayer obviously points to his humanity. Only humans pray, right? God doesn't pray uh, in that sense. But Jesus, as a man, prayed himself into the enjoyment of God's presence, into the strength of of the divine supply, and into the oneness with God's divine will, so that when he served and when he ministered, he ministered in oneness with God and as the expression of God and God supplying him and strengthening him. No one can survive long term in the Christian life, or especially in Christian service, 
unless they learn the lesson of often withdrawing into prayer. Prayer is recharging our battery, and even more than that, it is uh, ensuring our oneness with the divine will in that service. Now, then there's an interesting link into the third story. Again, a very well-known story, the paralytic uh, let down through the roof and who's healed and gets more than than he bargained for, right? He came... uh, he came hoping for, for new legs, right, to walk again. Jesus gives him a new life. He got more than he bargained for. Jesus pinpoints the, the issue as sin, not just, um, you know, disability. And Jesus go, always goes to the root of, of what we come to him for and, and addresses that. Again, that's the compassion of God pinpointing our deepest need, the compassion of humanity, and the power of God and the authority of God to forgive our sins and, um, and and grant us new life. But verse 17, very interesting. Luke, Luke says this, no one else does. The power of the Lord was with him to heal. So again, this is emphasizing his humanity, that he is in dependence on divine power to heal. Of course, he's God in the flesh, so he has that power, but he's depending on God for that power. And there's a connection between 16 and 17, and that is if we want to have a powerful service to men, to, to, to people, we need to have a, a, uh, a secret and rich prayer life before God. The, the richness of our prayer directly uh, translates into the power of our service. We want a powerful ministry powerful gospel service, a powerful um, compassionate presence to others, to where they meet the Lord, we, we need to always source that in our prayer life. So prayer before God produces power before men, okay? And then the last story here uh, is this great calling, great story of the calling of Levi um, with, you know, with just one word. He leaves all, just like Peter. Uh, verse 11 said, Peter left all. Verse 28, Levi leaves all. Um, he leaves all to follow Jesus. He opens up his house for a reception, and Jesus manifests what's going on in his salvation with these four analogies, four, four images of who Jesus is, the physician to heal us, the bridegroom to give us joy, the garment to clothe us, and the new wine to fill us. That's what salvation is. It's physician, bridegroom, garment, and wine. Now, the thing I want to point out here is Luke ends this story on a very interesting verse, and only Luke has this verse, verse 39. It says, no one who has drunk the old desires the new, for he says the old is better. Now, a lot of people don't understand this verse, but this verse is negative, and it's spoken in context in light of the Pharisees who were uh, criticizing Jesus's uh, ways of carrying out his ministry um, since it uh, contradicted their their old religion, their their understanding of how things worked with God and man. And so the old wine represents uh, our old experiences, our old understanding, our old concepts, our old uh, background, or in a sense, our old religious concepts. And it's, it's, it's problematic because if you've drunk too much of the old, you've been accustomed to that taste and that flavor, and that's all you want. And someone gives you something new of God, and you're not open to it. You only desire the old. You don't desire the new. So that was true of the Pharisees. 
And uh, Paul and Luke obviously knew that from their experiencing uh, their experiences ministering to the Jews and, and, and experiencing rejection. But this is a warning to us. We need to make sure that we don't get so comfortable with our old experiences so so that those don't close us off to new experiences, to new wine. God has new experiences uh, available to us and, and waiting for us, but we have to be open to it and realize uh, the new will be better than the old. God's new move is always fresher, richer, higher, and more enjoyable than his old move, even though that old move was authentic. So this is Luke chapter 5. we got these four uh, stories, but we're focusing today specifically on Luke's specific addition to these stories, and that is we see our sinfulness uh, through the manifestation of God's holy presence in our life, and that calls us into service. And in that service, we always need to prioritize prayer and withdraw to be refreshed, enriched, supplied, so that we serve in oneness. And that prayer will bring a power into our service where the Lord will move through us and accomplish his purpose through us to bring forgiveness and release and new life to others. And we always need to make sure we don't become content with what we have experienced in the past of the Lord and what we've, in a sense, tasted of the Lord. We're always open to a new move of the Spirit, a fresh move of God, and fresh experiences of the God-man and his human virtues and divine attributes and his jubilee ministry. Amen.